Here is a new historical twist to Holy Land tours. The Moses tour leaves Cairo, Egypt once every 40 years. Featured cuisine, quails, strange white stuff, and water from our rock fountain. Dessert, milk and honey at end of tour. The Saw of Tarsus tour. Ride the donkeys to Damascus. Live in four-star dungeons. Probably shipwreck on bonus adjunct tour to Rome. Bring materials for letter writing. The Ruth tour. Wherever we go, you'll go. Wherever we eat, you'll eat. Our tour will be your tour. The Balaam tour. Play the original donkey video game with special voice module. The Sarah tour. Lots of laughs. Don't go if you're 89 years old. May return with extra family members. And here's my favorite. The Jonah tour. Leaves Cleveland, Ohio. Destination, Los Angeles, California. Arrives in Israel by no choice of your own. Uh, The tour is made in the shade. And then you have the Jesus of Nazareth tour. Who knows where he will lead? His words to us are, follow me. If you will, the book of Revelation will be the Jesus tour because he is doing the revealing. He will take us to three different time zones. Uh, Turn with me, uh, please, to Revelation chapter 1, down in verse 19, and we'll be looking at this verse regularly throughout the series. Revelation 1, verse 19. Jesus commands John, write the things which you have seen, Uh, That is our first time zone, the past. And when Jesus gives John this command, he's talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is revealed to John through a vision, and that's Revelation chapter 1, which is speaking of the past. Then we move to the present. And the things which are. The things which are refer to the seven literal churches, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And now for the final part of the journey or destination and the things which will take place after this. Looking at a future time. Two key words in the Greek, meta, tauta. After this, we'll see these words are key to interpreting, I believe accurately, the book of Revelation. But we're going to go through three time zones, past, present, and future. Let's talk about the authorship. Who wrote the book? Uh, There's a plethora of early church fathers who say, that John the Apostle wrote this book, including here Justin Martyr, 8100-165. Notice he came right on the heels of the Apostles. Tertullian, 8160-230. And Origen, 185-254. Uh, the authorship of John was perhaps first challenged by Dionysius of Alexandria, Egypt. He was an elder, if you will, an overseer and uh, in the area of Alexandria. And he believed A. John wrote the book, but not the apostle 
John. Uh, Dionysius actually had an issue with chiliasm or a literal thousand year kingdom. It seems like this might be behind his attack on the apostleship of John, the apostle John writing this particular letter. However, I want to point out to you, John did write the book. This is the apostle John. He's named four times uh, throughout the book. Revelation 1.1, he self-identifies 1.4, and then chapter 22 in verse 8. And also the name without the title shows a John of importance. If today I were to mention the name Elvis, or perhaps Ken, now, hold on a second, Barbie. Yeah, you get the idea. You can give the name and it identifies the person. John was of such stature that he would just give his name without a title, and I believe everyone knew who he was. Uh, the second thing, only John's gospel, and then in Revelation 19.13 is Jesus called the Word. It's interesting that in John's gospel, 1.1, one, one, and in Revelation 19, the same author, uses the expression of Jesus Christ. Number three, the word lamb, arnion from the Greek, is used 30 times in Revelation. That's a lot of uses of the word arnion or lamb in the book of Revelation. And it only occurs one other time in the entire New Testament, the Greek New Testament, and that is in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 15. And again, John's authorship, the Apostle John, is confirmed by Justin, Martyr, Tertullian, and Origen. I believe the Apostle John uh, wrote the book of Revelation. Let's give you a date here. It's uh, approximately A.D. 95, which would make Revelation the last book in the Bible. Uh, John went to Asia from Palestine. This would have been in the late 60s. And he was banished from Asia to Patmos, uh, which is a island in the Aegean Sea by Domitian. Uh, Domitian ruled from AD 81 to 96. So I think AD 95 is a good estimate of uh, the book of Revelation being penned. And let's talk about the literary genre. And you say, well, what's that? Is it prose? You know, is it everyday writing of man? Is it poetry? Is it narrative? And I like to point out to you that the book self-identifies as prophetic. That's what it calls itself. Some put it under the category of apocalyptic, but that's usually so outlandish in that category. Prophetic, I believe, is correct. Look at 1-3 with me. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Now, go to the very last chapter in the book of Revelation. That would be chapter 22. And we'll see the other uses here where the book calls itself a prophecy. Uh, Revelation 22, down in verse 7. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now 22.10. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. 22.18, and then we're going to look at 19 as well. 22.18, 
For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, next verse, verse 19. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy. So, I think the book can clearly be labeled as prophetic. Now, there are three schools of hermeneutics or interpretation when it comes uh, to the book of Revelation. The first is uh, the preterist view. Preterism is the, I believe, incorrect teaching that believes that most, if not all, of the book of Revelation is already fulfilled. Uh, that will be quickly challenged as we work throughout the book as already identified uh, by the key verse that outlines the book 119 that talks about a future time with the preponderance of this book. The second school of interpretation is historical. Uh, this book is a symbolic presentation of the total of church history culminating in the second advent. Uh, this view was popular during the Reformation because it identifies the Pope with the beast of Revelation 13. Now we have the third view, uh, which I believe is the right view or the correct view, and I know this might not surprise you, but this happens to be my view. It's futuristic. In Revelation chapter 4, we're going to make a transition from the present, now that's contemporary to John, Revelation 2 and 3 with the seven churches, to the future. And we'll see those same two Greek words, metatalta, that we observed in Revelation 1, 19 after this, appear again. Actually, we'll see twice in Revelation chapter 4 in verse 1. And that takes us into the throne room of God. That's what chapters 4 and 5 are all about just before the tribulation period. And speaking of the tribulation period, it's a seven-year period of time described in Revelation 6 through 19, which also uh, is connected uh, with the writing of Daniel. Uh, Daniel's 70th week fits Revelation 6 through 19. So much of the book deals with the future. What is the theme of this book? It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look at Revelation 1-7 with me. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. When we get to Revelation 19, we will have a tremendous description of the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation. He will put down his enemies with the two-edged sword in his mouth. But this is what the book is all about. Now that I've given you the background, let me read to you Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Prepare to be blessed, and you'll see why as we work through this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Join me in prayer. 
Father, I remember when I first preached through this book, I was sitting at my desk and I got a phone call. Pastor, you need to turn on the TV and look at the news. It was 9-11, a significant day. And I was studying at that time the phrase that the time is at hand. And Lord, it just reminded me how fragile life is, but how quickly things can change. The book of Revelation keeps us thinking about Christ's return. So I pray, Father, that we would digest this book well, that we would become very much attuned to our human limitations and the need to depend on you 24-7, and that one day when your son comes back for us, he'll find us as individuals that have served you well. Bless the entire study Father, I pray of the book of Revelation, minister to us in a profound way, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. As, begin, as we begin verse 1, observe that it doesn't say it's the revelation of the Apostle John. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, the word revelation itself, which occurs 18 times uh, from the Greek New Testament, is a compound term. It's from apa, which means taken away, and calupsis, which gives us the idea of to cover. So, revelation means to uncover or unveil. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The question is, is this an objective genitive? Is the book of Revelation all about Jesus Christ? Or... Is it a subjective genitive, which means Jesus Christ is doing the revealing? I believe the latter is the correct answer. Throughout the book of Revelation, Jesus is the one unveiling these things for us. He's the one who reveals to John his resurrected and glorified self in chapter 1. He's the one in Revelations chapters 2 and 3 that walks in the midst of the seven churches. He is the one, as we even go throughout the tribulation period in Revelation chapters 6 through 19, that looses the seals, the trumpets, the bowl, and pours out 21 judgments on the earth. Now, throughout the book of Revelation, he is the one who reveals these things to us. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. The order of communication as you put the book of Revelation together is God to Jesus, Jesus to an angel, and that angel to John. And observe the words here, things which must shortly take place. Things which must. And I want to point out to you, these words, things which must, from the Greek text, appear exactly as Daniel 2, 28 and 29, are given from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Now, I just want to show you something that I think is significant about the book of Revelation. So stay with me here. Go with me to Daniel chapter 2. Again, thinking about the words here, things which must, they have to occur. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, you there with me? Uh, first of all, let's look at verse 28. Daniel 
is the one who is going to reveal the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and its meaning. Nebuchadnezzar stumped, his star soothsayers were stumped, and uh, this is what Daniel says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be. See those words? What will be? When? In the latter days. That's interesting. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Now down in verse 29 as well, and I'll make the point. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. The exact words as given in Revelation 1 now appear here, but speaking about future events future events now let me read your quote as you're turning back to revelation one with me from robert thomas robert thomas has recently gone to be with the lord and has given us a great two-volume set on the book of revelation this is what he writes of the 404 verses in the apocalypse 278 allude to the Old Testament scriptures. No other New Testament writer uses the Old Testament more than this. It's significant that the book of Revelation is based upon much of the Old Testament. We will see over and over and over again from the book of Revelation that John is given revelation directly that connects with the Old Testament or even other parts of the New Testament. So you have to understand the rest of the Bible truly to interpret accurately and fully the book of Revelation. So here, John is writing now about the things which must shortly take place. The expression here means speed, quickness, and swiftness. Charles Ryrie writes, the words translated shortly means that when the time of vengeance comes, there will be no delay in its execution. If you can think of a semi-automatic handgun and you hear the gun fire, pop, 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 pop. The concept is when these things come into play that they will happen swiftly quickly if you will when we get to revelation 6 through 19 there'll be three waves of judgment seven seals seven trumpets seven bowls it'll be like a rapid fire succession this is what's being expressed here and he speaking of jesus sent and signified it by his angel see where the handoff goes first of all from god to jesus from jesus to the angel to his servant john uh, John, by the way, at this season of life, is an old man. Uh, he's doing hard time on the rock, we would call this Patmos. And that is when he gets this amazing unveiling. If you will, he was given the best at the end of his life. Two things noted here. Uh, by John even about himself as he's speaking about who he is. He says, who bore witness to the word of God? John is an apostle. That's the highest office you can hold 
in the New Testament. And he is given testimony to the validity of this book, this prophetic book, being the word of God. And he goes on to say, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. John had quite some life, did he not? Uh, he didn't get it all in the beginning of his ministry. Uh, turn with me briefly. We're just going to take a moment and look at this. Mark chapter 10. Uh, you recall the occasion? Uh, if you tie this together, by the way, with uh, Matthew 20. In Mark chapter 10, you have James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus, but the mother is there also. Jesus keeps revealing to his disciples that he's going to suffer, that he's going to scourged and crucified and they just totally miss the message and are only concerned about their greatness in the future kingdom now down here in mark chapter 10 verse 35 then james and john the sons of zebedee came to him saying teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask. They want a blank check. But notice the patience of their master. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? The expressions Jesus uses refer to James and John identifying with Jesus in his sufferings. Notice in verse 39, they said to him, we are able. See, they didn't give it a second thought. They're only thinking of stardom in the kingdom. And it is so sad what they missed at that point in their ministry. But now John gets it. He has walked with the Lord for decades and is now given his greatest assignment. And that is to give us the book of Revelation. Now with that said, let me give you the first point. And I'd like to point this out to you as well been my privilege for decades now to study prophecy and I've read a lot of books on Revelation and you get some great commentaries some wonderful information and some that you don't get some great commentaries and you get some really raunchy information inaccurate information but the one thing you generally don't find is what to do with the book of Revelation in other words what are the employment points what are the application points what is the book telling us to do and that's critical because the bible is not just written for information itself but that we might learn and then we might do so here is the first employment point jesus reveals his prophetic plan to you jesus reveals his prophetic plan to you and uh, by the way not all predictions <laughs> for others have been accurate uh, the futurist magazine writer laura lee catalogs some of the worst predictions of all time enjoy first i'll give you uh the roman engineer julius sextus frontinus's prediction inventions have long since reached 
their limit, and I see no hope for further developments. And by the way, he wrote that at 80, 100. No further developments. The abdomen, the chest, and the brain will forever be shut from the intrusion of the wise and humane surgeon. That's from John Eric Erickson, uh, surgeon to Queen Victoria, 1873. I don't think he could foresee brain surgeons. Do you? One of my favorites. Law will be simplified. Lawyers will have diminished and their fees will have been vastly curtailed. Mm -hmm. Journalist Junius Henry Brown, 1893. It doesn't matter what he does. He will never amount to anything. Albert Einstein's teacher to Einstein's father, 1895. This is from computer scientist John von Neumann, 1949. It would appear we have reached the limits of what is possible to achieve with computer technology. The Japanese don't make anything the people in the United States would want. That's Secretary of State John Foster Dulles, 1954. And this is also great. Nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will probably be a reality within 10 years. Matt's riding that baby around the house as you're doing your cleaning. That's from Alex Lewitt, uh, president of the Lewitt Vacuum Cleaner Company, uh, quoted in the New York Times, June 10th, 1955. This is now from Arthur Summerfield, U.S. Postmaster General under Eisenhower, 1959. Before man reaches the moon, your mail will be delivered within hours from New York to Australia by guided missiles. We stand on the threshold of rocket mail. Here's another one. By the turn of the century, we will live in a paperless society. That's Roger Smith, chairman of General Motors, 1986. Now from uh, Bob Medcaft, InfoWorld, 1995. I predict the internet will go spectacularly supernova and in 1996 uh, catastrophically collapse. (laughs) Aren't you glad your faith doesn't rest on the words of men, but the sure word of God. Jesus' revelation will come to pass. Now, with that said, let me just take a moment and let you know where we are going as we study the book. We're looking at three time zones, past, present, and future. And the past will be when John the Apostle has a vision of the resurrected and glorified Savior. Imagine, John who had reclined on the Lord's breast sees Jesus Christ in all of his glory and he falls down as dead. Then we're going to go to the present. There are seven churches, literal churches in Asia Minor, Western Turkey. Jesus will evaluate each of those churches and render a judgment the messages reply, apply to all of us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And then we are going to be transported with the final part of the book of Revelation, the future. In Revelation chapter 4, John is transported to the throne room of God 
And we're going to see in chapter 4 God sitting on the throne. And then in chapter 5, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who had been slain, standing a position of victory, coming over to the Father. And as the Father sits on the throne, he's holding a book, and Christ will take that book, and from that book will come the judgments that we'll learn about in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowl judgments. And from the seventh bowl judgment, Jesus Christ will return. The second coming. Remember, that's the key verse, Revelation 1-7, to understand the entire book. And when Christ comes back, we're going to learn from Isaiah that he begins down in Basra in Edom with a two-edged sword in his mouth and he's going to wipe out all of his adversaries. They are gathered at Armageddon. And then he'll fulfill prophecy from Zechariah 14.4 and literally touch down on the Mount of Olives. He'll put down his enemies and then he will render judgment. But then in Revelation 20, we're introduced to a kingdom that will last a thousand years. Six times John mentions 1,000 years, the millennial kingdom, where Christ will rule and reign over the earth. And then after that period of time, and by the way, during that entire period of time, Satan is bound. There will be destruction then of the heavens and the earth as we know them, and we are introduced to our future dwelling, the new Jerusalem. Revelation chapters 21 and 20. So Jesus reveals his prophetic plan to you. And now our second point. Hear and heed the prophecy, this prophecy for blessing. Hear and heed this prophecy for blessing. And this comes from verse 3. Beginning verse 3, blessed is he who reads... And those who hear the words of this prophecy. See, originally there was one reader. Notice this singular here. He who reads. And then the letter would be read to the congregation. Those who hear. See, that's plural there. But there would be a blessing to the individual who not only reads, but those who hear and more importantly apply what they hear. A blessing. And this word blessing is an important word in the book of Revelation. Now just for future reference, when I ask you, how many times does this or that occur in the book of Revelation? When I want to make you look good, I'll ask that question and you yell out the number seven. See, seven spirits, referring to the Holy Spirit. There are seven churches. There are seven years of tribulation. Seven is a prominent number. Even this word blessed, markarios, is used seven times in the book of Revelation. The idea is to be favored with God's blessing, to be favored by God. And let me just take a moment. We see our first one of seven here in Revelation 1-3. Let me just walk you through these real quick and then we'll study them, Lord willing, in greater detail in the future. Our second reference to the word blessed is Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And note verse 13. That's 14-13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, notice the command, write. Here's a word, blessed 
are the dead who die in the Lord from now on? We'll address that topic a little later on. Uh, Revelation 16, 15 for number three. Revelation 16, down in verse 15. Jesus says, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And now over to chapter 19, please, for our fourth reference. Chapter 19, down to verse 9. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to the merit supper of the Lamb. Transition now to chapter 20, verse 6. 26, this is number 5. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. And now chapter 22, and we'll see references 6 and 7. 22, 7. Revelation 22, verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And now finally, verse 14. Chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. So we have blessed back here in Revelation 1-3 is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy but notice he continues and keeps those things which are written in it the word keep is a important word we are to apply everything that we learn from the word of God Listen to 1 John 5 in verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep, that's her word, we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So the blessing comes to the individual who reads, to those who hear and obey the words of this book. Why? For the time is near Near comes from a combination of Greek words that mean in and then hand. We would say at hand. They're within reach. Philip Hughes writes, the time is near. That is to say the time of fulfillment is imminent. Imminent. So what have we learned today? Number one, Jesus reveals his prophetic plan to you. And may I encourage you to stay with us throughout our study in the book of Revelation. Uh, This is a unique book because there is a blessing that is given to the individual who reads it, for those who hear it, and then apply what they learn. Our God is eternal. He knows past, present, and future all at once. And for you and me, we are given a tremendous privilege to not only understand the past, that's the resurrected and glorified Christ. We're going to get to scrutinize just how wonderful he is. Also, we are going to study seven churches and find out what Jesus thinks is important to each of those churches. 
And after that, we go to the future and we will get to study what it was like in the throne room of God, or I should say what it will be like with God the Father and Christ the Son and then the tribulation, millennial kingdom and a new heavens and new earth. Imagine that. So, and Jesus is the one who reveals his prophetic plan to you. And then, number two, hear and heed this prophecy for blessing. Seven times in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we hear these words. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is given to one church applies to every church. And guess what? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So these things that are given to the seven churches apply to us today and we can learn valuable lessons from them. But he who has an ear, let him hear. But it's not just a biological function. When Jesus makes that statement, it means to employ, apply what you learn. James writes it this way in James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. My prayer is that we'll go on this journey together through three time zones. We'll apply all that we learn because this book, this 22-chapter book, has great theology in it. And there's so much not only to learn, but to employ And I pray that we will go on that journey together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I get so excited thinking about the end times. And more importantly, being with you. Thank you that Jesus has the ability to fulfill everything that it says in the word of God that would be fulfilled by him. And Lord, we saw many Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by Jesus' first coming. And likewise, he will fulfill every prophecy about him concerning his second advent. Lord, may we stand in all of you throughout our study, but what we hear, may we heed. May we be those that are swift to hear and employ all that we are about to learn from your inspired word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.